Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Your High Vibration Life. I am ecstatic today to introduce you to the author of what I think is the best health book in 2016. Now, I read a lot of books. I I don't even just have one whole bookshelf full of wellness and health, nutrition books. I have multiple entire bookcases of them. Best health book in 2016 that I read was How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. And so, Dr. Gregor, welcome to the show. So excited to be here. Well, I have been listening to your um, talks in various places, including recently in The Food Revolution by another one of my heroes, uh, John Robbins. And I loved your book for the massive amount of documentation, the trouble you've gone to, to show us 130 pages at the end of the book with, you know, every page has probably got 50 references on it, thousands of studies about the power of plants in our diet. And so I was hoping you could tell us about some of the, of, of your huge book on how not to die of pretty much every disease. I'm hoping that you can kind of just cherry pick a little bit and tell us a few of the really exciting studies that tell us that eating more plants is is a holy grail if we have one. Well, you know, the good news is in general that we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors. So that's the broad overview. And basically what I did in the book is uh, just go through the 15 leading causes of death Uh, one through 15 with a chapter on each talking about the role diet may play in preventing, arresting, or reversing each of our 15 killers. And then the second half of the book is more kind of practical, um, kind of putting the science into practice. But in terms of, uh, you know, really standout studies, um, certainly uh, Dr. Dean Ornish's Landmark Lifestyle Heart Trial published uh, July 23rd, 1990 in The Lancet, the most prestigious medical journal in the world, um, showing for the first time that heart disease, the number one killer of men and women, could be reversed without surgery, without drugs, just a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors. Um, and uh, so I assumed that that was going to be the game changer. I, I mean, here it was, I'm just, you know, in black and white, published in uh, some of the most prestigious places in the world, yet essentially nothing happened. I said, wait a second. If effectively the cure to our number one killer could get lost down some rabbit hole and ignored, uh, what else might there be in the medical literature that could help my patients but just didn't have a you know corporate budget driving its promotion? Well, I made it my life's mission to find out. That's why I started the uh, website nutritionfacts.org. That's what led me to write the book. And when I did that, when I went through, wait a second, I found out it's not just heart disease. You know, uh, once Dr. Dean Ornish, you know, uh, you know, uh, was victorious over our number one killer, he moved on to killer number two, cancer, took prostate cancer patients, put them on the same kind of plant-based diet um, as did for heart disease and saw a reversal on average of prostate cancer progression, um, something never before documented um, with dietary interventions alone. Um, I mean, so it's just absolutely remarkable 
to see these studies come out showing that, you know, you know, healthy eating and living, it's not just about preventing disease, not just slowing disease down, not even just stopping disease in its tracks, but actually reversing disease, um, uh, you know, curing disease, curing diseases like, uh, you know, type 2 diabetes, hypertension. But look, if that's all a plant-based diet could do, reverse the number one killer of men and women, uh, uh, shouldn't that kind of be the default diet until proven otherwise? Uh, and the fact that can also prevent arrest and reverse other leading killers like diabetes and high blood pressure would seem to make the case for plant-based eating simply overwhelming. I've read that you say that there that nobody dies of old age. Can you explain? Yeah, and no, I mean it's not that I I mean that's what the research shows. So um, what they did is there was a, a research uh, uh, an autopsy series, thousands of autopsies, and they're basically looking at centenarians, people who live over a hundred years. And specifically at those who apparently died of old age, meaning they had no diagnoses, right? They weren't diagnosed with anything. They appeared perfectly healthy, then died. And the and you would just say, oh, they died of old age. Okay, well, then they autopsied these people, this massive autopsy series. And in every single case, they found that, no, they died of disease, most commonly heart disease. They had a heart disease that they just didn't know about. They never diagnosed. In fact, that's how most people die of heart disease. Um, they die with something called sudden cardiac death, meaning you don't even know you have heart disease. And then within an hour of first symptoms, that first pressure on your chest, you're dead. That's why an ounce of prevention is way more than a pound of cure because there is no cure for dead. You know, you talk at the beginning of how not to die about how the average medical doctor knows, a pro and you're not saying this, this is a study that you reference, knows about as much about nutrition as the average person on the street. And you and I both know that people generally ask their medical doctor for nutrition advice. So what does this mean for the, the regular person listening to this? Despite what you pointed out here, we seem to task our doctors with this. So what should a person do if not ask their medical doctor? Well, they, how about finding a doctor that actually knows something about literally the number one cause of death and the number one cause of disability? So Goldberg of Disease Study, which is the largest study of risk factors to be for disease in human history funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, found that the number one reason people die in the United States – is what they eat. And the number one cause of disability, number of years of healthy life lost is our diet. So now, uh, you know, this is now since, uh, you know, bumped tobacco smoking to number two. Cigarettes now only kill about a half a million Americans every year, whereas our diet kills hundreds of thousands more. So obviously, nutrition is the number one thing taught in medical school, right? Uh, I mean, it's the number one thing your doctor talks to you about at every single visit, right? I mean, so there's this disconnect between the science and the practice of medicine. So, I mean, you know, we should find a physician that actually knows a little something about the number one reason we'll get sick and die. You know, let's get let's get a little bit granular. Let's just cherry pick pun intended here, cherry pick a couple of the studies that you talk about that just show how very, very powerful food can be as prevention. Dr. Greger talks about how there's a specific food that if you ate a handful every day, it would cut your heart attack risk in half. Is this, is this right? And you know what that food is? I do. You tell us though. 
Yes, uh, it is nuts. Uh, so a single serving of nuts every day is associated in these population studies with literally half um, the uh, premature death rates. I mean, unbelievable. Now, this has actually been put to the test in interventional trials. I mean, the problem with population data is maybe people who eat nuts are health nuts. I mean, maybe, you know, the people who eat nuts are also the ones that exercise and don't smoke, etc. So maybe that's part of the reason why they have such amazing uh, public health statistics. And maybe it's not the nuts themselves, or maybe the nuts are only a small contributor. Maybe the nuts nut consumption is just a marker for other healthy behaviors. Behaviors. So that's why it's so important to do interventional studies where you take people, randomize them into two groups, half um, you give nuts, half you don't give nuts. This was done in the famous PrediMed study, thousands of people for um, uh, for multiple years. What they did is they send half of those people nuts in the mail every week um, to further goad them to include uh, uh, nuts in their daily diet. And those randomized to the nut intervention, uh, for example, had half the stroke risk, meaning those meaning not eating nuts every day uh, um, uh, at those kind of quantities essentially doubles your risk of stroke. So, I mean, nuts are one of the most uh, powerful foods in terms of the data we have for single food items to uh, dramatically improve health. Now, there's short-term effects too. You can, you know, eat walnuts and get within hours significant improvement in arterial function. Um, uh, you know, your cholesterol drops, all sorts of wonderful things. But what's nice is we can actually follow out to disease endpoints to actual outcomes and see, oh my God, you add, you know, one palm full of nuts, an ounce of nuts to your daily diet. Um, and you can, for example, cut your stroke risk in half, not just associated with lower stroke risk, but actually shown, proven to cut stroke risk in half. That is remarkable. That is really exciting. And, you know, I was sitting on the beach on my 50th birthday, reading how not to die. That is what I did with my 50th birthday. We're in Puerto Vallarta with my girlfriends. And about every 10 pages, I'd say, listen to this. And I tell them one thing that really struck me and I'm putting you on the spot maybe here is, do you remember the details of a study on flax, like a double blinded placebo controlled study on the effects of flax versus all the AC inhibitors and calcium channel blockers, the two classes of drugs that prevent or that treat hypertension. And it was actually published in the journal Hypertension. Do you happen to remember the details of that? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, there's a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial showing that the consumption of a few spoonfuls of ground flax a day can bring down blood pressure two to three times better than our leading blood pressure medications. And looks only have good side effects, right? Reducing the risk of breast cancer, prostate cancer, controlling cholesterol, triglycerides and blood sugars, reducing inflammation, curing constipation. I encourage people to eat a tablespoon of ground flax seeds every day. So what else? You have some favorite foods that you think are just the, the oh, big yeah, bang no, for so, the buck. Uh, yeah, I sent her my uh, recommendations around a, uh, a daily dozen checklist of all the foods I encourage people to fit into their daily diet. So I talk about, you know, uh, you know, berries every day, the healthiest fruits, greens every day, the healthiest um, vegetables, particularly uh, cruciferous vegetables, and a tablespoon of ground flax seeds, a quarter teaspoon of uh, turmeric every day. Um, you know, I talk about the, you know, uh, best beverages, how much to exercise, just kind of go through the list, trying to inspire people to uh, fit some of the healthiest um, foods in their diet in hopes of kind of crowding out some of the less healthy choices 
And uh, there's a cute little app uh, we made, which is free for iPhone, Android, called Dr. Gregor's Daily Dozen. And just, uh, you know, you can kind of track your progress, checking through the checklist and just see how you're doing to, you know, you might be like, oh, I forgot to eat legumes today. Quick, beans, split peas, chickpeas, lentils for supper. <laughs> I love it. So Dr. Gregor's Daily Dozen, and we can just get that on iTunes, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so it's Gregor, by the way, if you're listening, is G-R-E-G-E-R, G-R-E-G-E-R. Okay, now, I really want to talk about this because I have been watching, I'm old enough to have watched the diet fads for 30, 35 years now, and you see these new fad diets come into vogue, and then they fall out of favor, and we don't have to cover all of these, but... Just, you know, in my adult lifetime, just hitting some highlights here or lowlights, depending on how you want to look at them, grab one or two or three of these and tell me what you think of them. My my opinion is, after watching this for all these years, is that industry, especially the processed and packaged food industry and the diet industry, both of which are billion-dollar industries, has to bring in a new one every few years so that we can usher in some quote-unquote new and exciting new products. I've seen Weight Watchers. Atkins, low carb, low fat, paleo, blood type, ketogenic. Which one of those really gets your goat? Now, I actually, this is how much of a Gregor fan I am. I've read ah. your, your book, Carbophobia, and wow. How Not to Die, big bestseller. Everybody I talk to who's into wellness at all has read it. But Carbophobia, you take on the Atkins diet. So my guess is you'll probably want to make a few comments about that. But tell us, where has that diet industry gone wrong? And which are your least favorites of these of these fads? Yeah, I mean they're all like you know zombie diet. I mean, they keep they they they're unkillable. They come back, right? Atkins was first published early seventies, and then of course fell out of favor, and uh, and then you know until it's you know they 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 return it from the dead, and then it's the new Atkins diet. By now we're on like the new 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 Atkins diet. Basically, people love hearing good news about their bad habits, right? So tell people to eat bacon and butter. Sells a lot of magazines, sells a lot of books, but it sells the public. Show. Short. I mean, it's a classic tobacco industry tactic, sowing confusion, mudding the waters in hopes that you know, people just kind of throw up their hands and eat whatever's put in front of them. Uh, but the reality is uh, there's a remarkable consistency in the nutrition science literature that we should you know, boost our intake of healthy plant foods like fruits and vegetables, limit our intake of animal foods and processed foods. Uh, the public uh, you know, needs and deserves to know about the overwhelming global consensus regarding the core elements of healthy living. And so probably the farthest from that would be something like an Atkins diet, a low-carb diet. Um, uh, um, and then, you know, there's – and so basically as far um, as diets shift away from eating whole plant foods um, would be, um, you know, on the spectrum of worse versus better diets. So, for example, a Mediterranean diet, um, you know, very much kind of vegetable-centric, very much closer um, to what, uh, you know, an ideal um, diet might look like. Um, whereas, you know, even something like a paleo diet, look, paleo diet, any, any diet that gets people to stop eating donuts is going to improve the health of the American public. Um, and, you know, if you actually uh, survey paleo eaters, people that claim, you know, they're eating paleo, um, the biggest thing that differentiates their diet from the standard American diet is actually vegetable consumption. They claim to eat more, significantly more vegetables than, look, and so if that, if your definition of paleo diet is eat lots more vegetables, fantastic, right? Um, but uh, unfortunately, many people just kind of use that kind of paleo um, self-identity to just, you know, uh, go out and, you know, eat garbage. But, um, 
so basically, uh, you know, in fact, there's an index. There's a there's a, a dietary quality index I talk about. I actually did a video about it. There's all sorts of ways you can measure healthy eating. Harvard has one. Um, uh, the, you know, you can measure, you know, concordance with the dietary, federal dietary guidelines. Well, this one uh, is probably my favorite. And uh, basically what it is just is what percent of your diet is whole plant foods. So – um, so, uh, so for example, in the United States, about, uh, you know, 55% of our diet is processed junk and about 40% is uh, junk food is, uh, animal products, excuse me. And so that takes it down to about le- less than 10% actually whole plant foods, fruits and vegetables, beans, whole grains, um, uh, you know, legumes, that kind of thing. And so, and so you could actually, I mean that that you could use that model to test you know how good diets are and just say the better number. In fact, there's this they've actually there's been a number of studies that have actually looked at that index and looked at breast cancer survival, for example, or I mean on to diabetes on down the list. And basically, the greater percentage in your diet of whole plant foods, um, the healthier you are. You're lower risk of chronic disease. Um, and so and of course, standard American diets. I mean you know uh, I mean. It's down at about 10 out of 100. It's easy to move up. And you can do that from a variety of ways. Um, But more whole plant foods, the better. Well, I appreciate how hopeful you are and how you focus on many, many studies that give us so much hope. I mean, if we're eating, if the average American is eating 10% whole plant foods and 55% junk, but there's, there's plenty of people who are trying to get their health back who are doing much, much better than that. I think it's actually really important to, while giving ourselves hope with that, not compare ourselves to our neighbor who eats out of a fast food, ah. out of a drive through three times a day and saying, well, I'm do be- doing better than that. So I'm a health nut. I think sometimes we need to bring <laughs> right. our A game, right? <laughs> um, but, but a step at a time, a step at a time and baby steps are always great steps. But um, you, if you're going to sum up some of the themes or pick out little bits that are your favorites, because I have so many. I swear I've marked your book up so much. How do you not die before your time? You say you have 15 different chapters. You, if you didn't have a chapter on how not to die of a heart attack and how not to die of degenerative disease and how not to die of diabetes, if you smushed them all together, what are the universal truths that will extend anyone's? Doesn't matter what your blood type is. Doesn't matter whether, ah. you know, what are, what are they going to extend our quality of life? Well, the best, I mean, so uh, the uh, gold burden of disease study, which is the largest study of disease risk factors for death and disability in human history, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, found that the number one cause of death in the United States is what we eat. Number one cause of disability in the United States is what we eat. Um, and, uh, so, and so now it's bumped tobacco smoking. Number two, cigarettes only kill about a half million Americans every year, whereas our diet kills hundreds of thousands more. So how long we live and how healthy we are, uh, it depends primarily on what we eat. And the best available balance of evidence suggests that the healthiest diet is one that minimizes the intake of meat, eggs, dairy, and processed junk and maximizes the intake of fruits, vegetables, legumes, which are beans, split peas, chickpeas, and lentils, whole grains, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices, basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest choices. I love it. Okay, now I'm going to ask you about two quick little sort of strange food bunny trails, because what I've heard you say is um, counter to some of the food fads, you know, the gluten-free industry is now $16 billion a year that people are spending on um, mostly packaged, processed, gluten-free foods, thinking that they're eating, I don't know, health foods or superfoods or something. Weigh in for a minute about wheat. 
your opinion on wheat based on the evidence? Because I know you're very, very evidence-based. You're very committed to looking at what the actual, you know, published literature says. Weigh in on wheat and then weigh in on soy. Yeah, sure. I mean, so, uh, I mean, I should get no props for being evidence-based. I mean, for sticking to reality. I mean, it says something about our world right now that for someone to actually base their arguments in rationality, in science, in facts, um, should somehow get credit. I mean, that's just, but that should be the baseline. Um, and uh, so, right. I mean, I have no opinions on any of these. I, all I can, all I do is try to just provide the best available balance of evidence and to pass it along. Um, so in terms of uh, gl- gluten, basically, look, the food industry just wants to make money and they will sell you uh, gluten-free junk food, low-fat junk food, high-fat junk food, low-carb junk food, paleo junk food, any kind of junk food because you can't make money on real food. Um, there's only so much you can mark up fruits and vegetables. They're perishable, right? It's not like a Twinkie that sits on the shelf. Like they're, and they're not branded products. That even a broccoli grower is not going to put an ad on TV for broccoli because you'll buy a competitor's broccoli. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. The system is set up to uh, to 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 benefit. You know, somebody like Coca-Cola, which has dirt cheap ingredients thanks to taxpayer subsidies um, and sell for a couple bucks a bottle. They're not out to nefariously make kids fat. They just want to make money. They have a they are, in fact, uh, have to for their shareholders. Um, They have a fiduciary responsibility. And so how do you make money? Do you sell broccoli? That doesn't make money. Um, So you sell junk that makes money um, regardless of the devastating human cost. Um, So uh, so the gluten free, you know, fad is just another way for the industry to charge more um, to make money. I mean, now, if your definition of gluten-free is eating apple, great. But that's, of course, not what gluten-free is about. It's about giving you junk food in any way you want. Um, you know, it's the same. Look, there's vegan junk food. Like you know, a couple you know, a couple decades ago, if you were vegan, you are d- healthy by default. What are you going to do? You shop in the produce aisle. But now you can get vegan donuts, vegan ice cream, vegan anything, right? You can be just as unhealthy as everybody else. Same thing with celiac patients who really do need to avoid gluten. I mean, it used to be they were really healthy because you couldn't eat any junk because everything has weed in it. But now we can give you your gluten-free donuts and you can be just as unhealthy as anybody else. Bottom line is about one in 120 or so, 121 folks have what's called um, celiac disease. It's not an immune reaction to gluten. They absolutely have to be on a strictly gluten-free diet their entire lives. About one in a thousand people have a, a, a formal wheat allergy. And then maybe about 1% um, uh, have what's called non-celiac gluten sensitivity who have uh, uh, typically gastrointestinal symptoms to uh, gluten ingestion but actually don't have celiac disease. So for 98% of people, gluten, wheat protein, um, also found barley and rye, is a healthful plant protein like any other. But for one in 50 individuals, um, gluten um, uh, can be a problem. But it's just like, look, uh, you know, someone with a peanut allergy, they eat a peanut and drop dead. That doesn't mean peanuts are bad for you. It means peanuts are bad for that person, definitely. But um, uh, And so just because someone is uh, sensitive to wheat, um, it doesn't mean that uh, that's uh, true for the vast majority of folks. Uh, in terms of soy, soy is misunderstood as well. You know, people don't understand 
There's two types of estrogen receptors in the body, alpha and beta. The phytoestrogens in soy and other healthy foods uh, bind to the beta receptors. Our own estrogen binds to alpha receptors. So the effect of soy on different tissues depends on the ratio of alpha to beta. And so estrogen actually has positive effects on some tissues, negative effects on others. So for example, estrogen is good for your bones, bad for the breast in terms of breast cancer risk. So ideally, we'd have some kind of selective estrogen receptor modulator to have estrogenic effects on some tissues, but anti-estrogenic effects on others. And that's exactly what the soy phytoestrogens do. Soy appears to lower breast cancer risk, which is an anti-estrogenic effect, at the same time reducing menopausal hot flash symptoms. That's a pro-estrogenic effect. So with soy, you get the best of both worlds. And so we should eat legumes, soy, and other beans, chickpeas, and lentils every day. But not the processed versions, because lots of soy in lots of different packaged foods, right? But you're talking about what are your favorites? So ideally, so even something like tofu is processed. Um, uh, So only has um, a fraction of the fiber. So, you know, a cup of soybeans has uh, has, uh, like, you know, 10 grams of fiber. A cup of tofu only has two grams of fiber. 80% of the, the, you know, uh, of the fiber lost, lost a lot of minerals. And two, now soybeans are so incredibly healthy. You can lose 80% of the nutrition, still have really healthy food. But hey, tempeh is even better. Look, you can see the individual whole soybeans in there. It's a whole soy food. Tempeh, miso, edamame, you know, the immature green soybeans in the pods themselves tasty snack. That's the best way we should get soy as opposed to these, you know, uh, processed soy products, something like soy yogurt or something, so much added sugar. Um, you're not really doing yourself much of a favor. Mm. So many helpful tips today. Dr. Gregor, you're a super, super busy doctor, researcher, author. I just want to thank you for your impact on my life, on my family's life. I'm a single mom of four and I have learned so much from you that I have brought into my practical real life, raising kids by myself and also in my career online as Green Smoothie Girl and author myself. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and thank you so much for being with us today. So happy to help out. Keep up the good work yourself. Thank you. Thank you. 